mostly my paintings are about obsessive thoughts, you know, so whatever is ruminating in your head and you can't get rid of it, the painting will help you get rid of it. Welcome back to Creative Howl. This week, Jed, we have Juliet Gilden, a painter from Baltimore, Maryland. She has the coolest style. It's very freeform. It's very optimistic. And she's a really great origin story. Sean, don't give it away right now. This is just the opening of the show. Oh, man, it's going to be great. Let's get ready to learn about Juliet's approach, uh, some of the big decisions she made in her life and in her career that have made her the artist she is today. And also, let's learn about how much Sean loves the word unpack. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be great. And sorry, I say words when I say words. So I can't help it. It's time for Juliet Gilden. All right. Welcome to Creative How. Jed, I got to level with you. Um, this whole creative direction, art direction thing, I can pretty much draw a line back to when I was drawing E.T. over and over on pretty much any surface I could get my hands on when I was young. What about you? Well, I was uh, thinking about the questions we wanted to ask Juliet, and I had this really weird, like, crystallized memory. So I remember one day I was probably in second grade, and my mom gave me, it was the first day of school, my mom gave me this uh, blue dress shirt of my dad's. Mm. And I said, why do I need this? And she said, this is going to be your smock in art class. So you put, this, you put the smock on backwards and then I started painting and I realized that I would definitely be a writer. <laughs> so um, we basically wanted to ask you, how did you, welcome, and how did you, how did your uh, career start way, 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 way back when? Okay, I have a good story about that. Um, so my mother and father owned an art gallery together and my mom was an artist. And in this art gallery, which was in, a suburban area of Baltimore. They tried to set it up like a New York style gallery. And they had a couple of regulars that came in that were interior decorators. And they would drop off some books of papers, different papers, but they would get a lot of framing done there and buy artwork, et cetera. And um, <clears throat> so I always did art when I was a little kid with my mother because that's what she did with us. And so we were all painting and drawing. And um, but these books that this interior decorator used to drop off really fascinated me because every page was different at different papers, different wallpapers. So I used to make collages out of them. And my mom, without telling me, put them in the art gallery and framed them as if they were an artist that wow. had done them. And she sold them. That's all incredible. Of them. Yeah. And so I, <laughs> how, um, yeah, uh, let me unpack, let me unpack that one real quick. Yeah. Did she, how long after she sold them, did she tell you she sold she them? She told me right away. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> she wow. was super excited. <laughs> Julia, you've been supporting our rent for <laughs> right. the last two years. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> Didn't sell anything again for a very long time, <laughs> but I was uh, seven years old and it was so exciting to me. And because I love doing it and I felt then and there like, oh, I can, I can make a living from this right. because these collages sold. Awesome. That is awesome. That yeah, that's I, a better story than, than <laughs> Yeah, that's a cool origin story. <laughs> yeah, I like it. You were highly productive at an early age, right. <laughs> way earlier than we were. Um, so I think what one thing that's really interesting, I always thought, you know, I've known you a while that um, is really interesting is your family. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit more? You know, your mom, your dad, your brother, and it just really, 
interesting to hear about a group of people so close who are also so artistic in different ways. Yeah. So my mom and dad grew up in Baltimore in row houses since the age of um, four and nine as next door neighbors in adjoining homes. And um, my father was always over my mother's house because his mother died at a young age. And so it was like a second family to him. And um, they ended up going to a party together when he was home from college. And she was at the Maryland Institute starting at 16. For She went to college early. And they went to this party together. And then they realized that this like turned into a romance between them. He was eventually trying to become an actor in New York. And my mom wanted to sell her artwork. So they're both very artistic. And they flipped a coin to decide if they were going to open a dinner theater or an art gallery. And so the story goes that my mom won. She won everything all the time. So it's hard to know if that's true. But they they were at the time living in New York. They came back from New York to Baltimore and opened the art gallery. Um, So we grew up in this very, uh, well, artistic family that, um, that really encourage the arts, you know, um, and they wanted us all to be drawing and painting and going to the theater and going to museums. So, and going to art galleries and, um, and I feel like there were four kids and between the four kids, two of them really took to the whole creative world and two of them took to the business world. Who knows how, because no one was good at business in this, but, um, so my brother is a writer and has a book coming out in October about um, Johnny Unitas and Don Shula and um, the Baltimore Colts at that time. And and yeah, so that's the whole artistic crazy. family. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Now you were, did, so you were doing art throughout and, and I know you worked in advertising mm-hmm. and so, but that, that was always an undercurrent then. Yes. Well, so I went to the Maryland Institute also. I was studying um, painting. And um, then I, after the Maryland Institute, went to Towson University and got certified to teach art. And then when I came out of there, I started right away substitute teaching at a school in Baltimore County. And that school then offered me a job. And I was supposed to go in and talk with them. And my brother, Jack, the writer, called me. He had opened an advertising agency. And he said, whatever they're paying you, I'll give you $1,000 more a year. And you can paint when it's slow in here. Because he had just opened the agency that year. So it was still under a year old. So that, and he said I could bring my dog to work also. So those things. Those are a brainer. Those are perks. (laughs) Yeah. Those are new. You don't see those perks anymore. (laughs) No, not at all. Especially the signing bonus. (laughs) Right. The thousand dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Totally true. Mm -hmm. Wow. That, I actually didn't know that. You didn't. (laughs) No. So can you, um, looking back on that, you Mm -hmm. know, like. Talk about that a little bit. Okay, so looking back on that, it was the biggest mistake. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I... Is that, am I supposed to edit that part for familial... <laughs> no, no. Right. right, so there's okay. not a big yeah, yeah. war. Um, no, it wasn't the biggest mistake of my life. I actually, it as a very young person, it gave me a money-making avenue that really the artwork, I was going to different art fairs and trying to sell the artwork, but it was so difficult to make money. And so my brother helped me to get into a career that 
was still creative. Um, and it's, I think of advertising as the fine arts of the business world. So it's the closest to fine arts that you can get while still being in business. And um, I'm going to use that by the way. Okay. So romantic when I'm, <laughs> other people have when called I'm, it other things. Yeah, yeah. When, I, when I'm feeling completely the opposite, right. I'm yeah. going to remind myself, right. Sean, you work in the you fine arts. You're a fine artist. <laughs> yes, I am. It's so funny. I am too. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and that I'm really appreciative of, and I learned a lot of skills and actually I think being in advertising helps to hone your artistic skills because it is very artistic and you're looking at compositions all the time. You're looking at color choices. I mean, it's very artistic and creative. And so I think they can feed off of each other if you're in if you're lucky enough to be in both worlds. So I ended up in advertising for over 20 years. And, um, but the whole time thinking one day I'm just going to do painting and I'm going to be able to stop this, you know? So it was always in the back of my mind as this is really not my real job. Yeah. This is just what I'm doing today. At, at any point, did you, during the advertising exposure, did you say, Hey, well, Maybe I, there's an illustration path I can take and actually, you know, and get my stuff in advertising campaigns and things like that. I did. And I even talked to Jerry about it. But um, and we did use some of my artwork. We um, had another big client at the time at Gildan that was Nextel. Remember those phones? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, they used. Very subtle beep, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> They use my artwork for different things. Oh, that's for, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, there, whenever I could get the artwork involved, I would, but I never used it specifically like to put into books of illustration or online for illustration stock. I've never done that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have or uh, consider an agent or anything that... To, to kind of market that? Or, um, well, I did. Or was it just not anything that you really No, really... no, I would be into it. It's a good idea for when I leave here today. Yes. <laughs> but, um... That makes three or four great ideas no. we've loaded you up with. Yeah. <laughs> All um, fair. But I did have an agent for a while, a licensing agent, and which is, you know, different, but they'll take your work and they'll pitch it to different companies that manufacture items that have artwork on the item. So, um... Um, I had that for about a year or so with my mother. We were, you know, both of our images, we, and some imagery that we used to do together. And we had that agent, but it wasn't so lucrative. Like you couldn't look at their books. You couldn't tell what they were, who they were making deals with or not. You would just get very small checks every month in the mail. And you have no idea how many things were really being sold. Mm, interesting. Mm -hmm. So... Let's get into um, sort of your aesthetic and your style. And, um, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about what the show is and we want to help people understand what it takes to, to become a painter. And I think part of that is developing your own style. So how did you evolve over the course of when you started at seven years old <laughs> to today? <laughs> well, I feel like my style is exactly the same <laughs> as nice. when I was seven, um, which has always been based kind of in... It's a very expressive style, so it's kind of free form, and it's based in realism. I, you know, you know what you're looking at, but then it goes 
off the deep end of realism. Right. So there's long limbs and crazy faces and big eyes and big feet and things like that. And that I always have used to be more expressive and it's always about feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I did that as a little kid and I, I do feel like you can look at drawings of that I did as a little kid and tell that the same person did them as my hmm. paintings of today. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Mm -hmm. I think, um, <clears throat> When, uh, I don't know when it was, it was soon after my daughter was born, mm -hmm. I bought something from you and I was just totally, um, <clears throat> stricken by the eyes, especially mm -hmm. and the positivity in it. Oh, so thanks. is that, is uh, you, you've done things that are, I think have a little bit of a social bent on them, but it still seems very positive. So what, what is that going on in your head when you're thinking about those sort of pieces? Well, I think I'm a pretty optimistic person. So even even in negative situations, I'm always kind of looking for the optimism. And I think that does come through in the artwork. But I also think you can see some sadness if you keep looking and, um, and sometimes they're juxtaposed together, you know, but, um, or against each other. Um, I, one of the paintings that I did that was about a social issue happening was about um, kids bringing guns to school and killing sprees in school. And when you look at the painting, I really tried to do it in kind of um, like that feeling of innocence that happens in grade school. So, you know, I wanted to put colors and symbols in it that were very innocent feeling. But um, all the children in the class are raising their hand and in their hands are guns and rifles. And um, and the idea was to kind of show how in the most innocent of a place, of an environment, you have the most innocent of items all over the place because um, it's such a horrific thing that is going on, that whole you know, gun and violence, guns and violence in schools. And if you're an adult living in the world, I think you, you, you kind of get desensitized to it because it becomes very political. And once you start politicizing something, you, it takes a horror out of it, you know, right. and you're just thinking about the political fight. And I, so I wanted to do that painting to really bring back the horror of it and not so much the political aspects of it. And, and that's, that's one of the, I had, I, you marked that for our conversation oh, okay. because, because I've, I've, um, you know, spent some time with your work and, and there is the lighthearted fun stuff, the, the feeling good stuff. But then I, I do see at some point you decide to use your craft to comment. And I just wanted to know, like, when do you decide to, how do you decide to do that? Like, it doesn't seem like it's too, too often, but mm -hmm. when, when it seems like when you really feel, a power about something, mm -hmm. you need to use your craft for that purpose. Well, yeah. And I feel like all the work in general is really about like a female perspective, which I can't help because I am a female. So, um, overall, I feel like there's a general statement of women kind of being the star of their own lives instead of a supporting role. And even in very, you know, um, kind of mundane situations, showing the beauty or the sadness or, or the heartbreak or whatever. So, um, those things probably, you know, on an everyday basis are always in my mind. And those thoughts come into my mind, I guess, because it's so much a part of me. But, um, when something happens in 
popular culture or in the news that really kind of strikes me like the gun violence, then I just feel like I have to do this. I have to, want to participate in the yeah. conversation. Yeah. Right? And, yes. and, and, and you have a, a very unique point of view and a very unique outlet for that, that I don't think a lot of people have. So that's really yeah. cool. So I, I think the fact that you don't, you pick and choose your, your, the, the times when it seems like you want to speak up is what makes it even more powerful because it's not like you're sitting, you're not, a, you're not a, you know, sort of editorial cartoonist where you're just like every week I got, I'm, I'm knocking right. out a political cartoon <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. It, you know, it's, that's what I think was really strong and powerful. Oh, well, thanks. Sure. Thank you. All right. Well, um, I want to get, you know, to, to the reason that we're really, people are listening to this right now and, and delivering on our, our mission and that's creative how, and your creative how, and just to, you know, just to unpack that for you, the whole goal is proactivity. We want this podcast to be a tool for the potential future painter, for the current painter who maybe has struggling with process or has a little bit of a, of a block, but the, the entire goal, uh, this was whoever we interview with, our audience can turn this off at night. And, or, or whenever they turn it off, wake up that next morning, feel like they have the first three to four things that they're going to do to put them on the path to becoming a painter. And, and, and if you can help us sort of take us through your process, let's, let's unpack that and, and, and see, you know, how that nets out in terms of, you know, your approach. Well, for one, unfortunately you have to think about the business side of things because if you really do want to be a painter and only be a painter and not have another job, you have to make money. So, so part of my process, it, when I think about dividing up my week even and what I'm going to do in a week, sometimes I am just working on business things and a whole day and not painting at all. So that might entail, I have different avenues that I reach out to to try and use my artwork to make money. So one might be prints and I sell prints in different stores. So I could be making prints, taking them to those stores, picking up checks, you know, dropping off inventory sheets, that kind of thing. That's part of a business avenue. I also do events where I go in and teach people how to paint. So um, part of, and I don't know if this is what you mean by process, but I feel like it's the overall process of no, this being is, an this artist. Is, this is great from a headspace because I, you know, I didn't, it was unexpected. I didn't, you know, okay. and, and, and that's what I think the, we were going to get in this later, but the reality of monetizing your efforts, yeah, right? Because I think, um, you know, all of us here, like, you know, we want to, we're at, you know, maybe a certain point in our life where it's like, you know, we are, our schedules are full. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to do this, like it's got to contribute to the greater whole or the yeah. greater good of, of you or your family or anything. Mm -hmm. So this is, it's great. Start with this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so with the events, then I'm working on marketing to different places that would hold my events. And so it could be corporations mm -hmm. that want to do it for their employees. It could be, um, individuals that want to have parties. It could be, you know, 55 plus living communities that want to offer it to their residents. So that's a whole nother avenue that, that I work on. And, um, and then 
I also dabble a little bit in putting my artwork on items like um, tote bags, big canvas bags. So that I might be working with a printer and working with shipping out bags to people that want them to stores or to individuals. And then there's my website. So I'm working on the website and social media and all the marketing end of things. So there's a whole business side to being an artist that you're, you're really an entrepreneur and, yeah. you know, um, and then as far as the process of actually painting um, and the fun part, I, yeah, the fun part <laughs> and the reason that, you know, you actually want to go into doing something like this, I, I will say that it's not such a structured thing for me. It's more, I might see something as I'm walking around that um, strikes me and usually like I can remember the last time I was at the beach and I saw a woman, like a very full figured woman holding a baby, like right on her and they were head to head. And that image was in my mind for weeks that I know that I have to somehow bring this to life. And then eventually I did. Um, but it's in my mind. And then I, I sit down and I just start drawing it out. And I remember that moment. And then, um, my process is I might see the sketch and feel like even as I start painting it, I feel like it's not exactly what I want. The composition isn't bold enough and, and I'll start completely over. But just even that initial starting of it helps me to get to where I want to be. So I would say my process is usually I have a thought in my mind, for a while until it becomes obsessive and I have to get it out. And then I get it out usually starting by sketching. And, and, and is that like rough sketching thumbnails? Like how, how detailed do your sketches get? Are they, are you trying to get close final at that point? Or are you just trying to find composition? How um, that? I mean, it's everything. It might be that I find that, um, it sucks and I'm going to come back to it later and I throw out whatever I'm working on or I paint over the canvas or it might be, wow, this is really working and it, it works into a final, this is the final thing so I'm are, doing. Are you starting right to can sketching right to canvas? Mm -hmm. You yeah. are. Oh, a okay. lot of so times, it's not, yes. it's not paper. It's, it's sometimes it's paper and sometimes it's canvas depending. So, um, it just depends, you uh, know, sometimes if I feel really strongly about something, I just grab a canvas. I, I, was, I was just going to say that is yeah. like, <laughs> that is a right bold start. Yeah. yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. So. But I use, is that common? Is that, um, I mean, some people don't even sketch, they just start painting, but I use acrylic paints and they're very forgiving. Mm -hmm. So they're different than oil paints. You don't have that big drying time. And if you do something and you hate it, you can just change it um, within three minutes, you know? That, so. That's actually a good point. Is that the medium, your medium of yes, choice? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or acrylics. And, and, and because they're so forgiving or... Because they're so forgiving, there's no turpentine involved. There's so you're not getting these heavy fumes. Your the dry time is so quick that you can you know you can work for hours and hours if you choose instead of setting it aside and saying I'll come back to this. It's too wet. I can't keep going on it. With acrylics, you could paint something if you want to stay up every night for four days and you right. could finish. Right. Yeah. So to sorry, I was just saying like so the first step is. Time management, if I had to summarize. Yeah. Getting getting your house in order, mm -hmm. you know, so you can kind of sit down and actually do the do the projects without a lot of, uh, you know, sort of distractions, I guess. You can focus on the artwork and sketching, starting mm -hmm. sketching to canvas if you're feeling bold or whatever yeah. you have in front of you, notopads or, you know, sketchbooks or whatever. So that's where we're at at yes. this point. Yes, yes. And yeah. I, I would 
would say like if you're inspired by something, you're just going to throw all the organizational stuff to the side and you're just going to start drawing or painting because because that's what you love to do. And if the moment strikes you, you're, you know, there's nothing else you feel like doing. Um, but the business side of things, it's just an unhappy reality that has to be figured out. And if it's not figured out, you feel so stressed, you can't paint anyway. Yeah. I, I definitely want to come back to the business side in a minute. Cause I have some, I think it's really interesting how versatile you are in terms of what you're willing to, to try, but in terms of what you're actually painting, um, I've noticed some thematics in your work and I think most creatives can understand being inspired by a thought like the one you just described a minute ago, but do you have characters that are one-time characters? Do you have characters who are in multiple pieces of work? How does that work? How does that work? Well, I think a lot of them, they're coming from me. So I feel like a lot of them look like me or my mother or my sister. Even the animals I see looking familiar to me, and it um, feels a little bit self-centered. But you can't help it because your anything you create is coming from within you, and um, that I think is what brings passion to whatever you're doing. It brings um, a genuine quality. At the same time. Um, I sometimes look at things and think, God, that looks so much like my whole family, right. <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's kind of crazy, but, um, I don't really have necessarily a person in mind when, when I'm painting, unless it's about something specific that happened to me. So there are some paintings that are actually me, or it's me with my sister, or it's me with my mother, or going back to that baby and mother painting it, I was inspired as I was walking on the beach and saw the woman with the baby who I didn't know. But when I actually started painting it, though, the mother became my mother with my hair color and the baby became me. <laughs> and, um, and it was really about the, you know, the connection that any mother has with the baby. And it was even I don't have children, which I've always wanted children. So it was about the sadness of not having children, mm. but feeling that connection of like what I did have with my mother. And, and it all started or was inspired by seeing this baby with her mother on the beach. Right, right. So you have, you have such a strong style, like, and then I just want to, how did the, the emphasis on the eyes, mm -hmm. why, why do you feel like that that's sort of where it ended up or what, what really draws you to that particular feature of people's faces? Well, I, I'm always concerned with emotion and feelings. That's what is most interesting to me and people. And, um, so I feel like I use the eyes, the hands, the arms, all the extremities and the eyes to convey emotion and feelings. And the eyes, as we all know, they really do tell you so much about a person. You can even look at a photograph of a person and kind of get a feel for what that person is all about. And when you meet a person, you can feel, are they warm? Are they giving? Are they kind of greedy? Are they, you know, all of those mm -hmm. things. I feel like the eyes say so much. And not only do they say so much about the person, but they also say so much about relationships between people. Are they looking at each other? Are they looking down at someone's feet? Are they looking at a ring that someone's showing them? And so I feel like the eyes are just so important and central when you're talking about emotions and who a person is. Is that the first thing you draw? 
Is that the, the first feature that, <laughs> that gets down on paper? No, the head is. The head is. <laughs> yeah. That is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. No, that's just, uh, the, the whole, just your style again, we'll go back to it. Like on first blush, it's, it's poppy mm-hmm. a little bit. I don't know if that's a bad thing to say <laughs> no, or it's not. not. It's, it's very, it's very current and, 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 and youthful, I think. But then there are, you're right. There are, there are nuances and layers and, and you have to check where the eyes are going. Like, so right. to, to really, you know, really analyze it and kind of like from a 30,000 foot view down to like what are all actually, what, where's the hand placed? Mm-hmm. Um, you had a post the other day on Instagram, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the two women and the one guy. And, right. <laughs> and I love reading the comments because the comments like sort of told, help me on, uh, you know, figure, no, it, figure it out. Right. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely um, a personal painting, but it also had to do with it overall had to do with a feeling of being kind of like pushed out of someone's life very quickly. And um, and I wanted to convey that and um, that can happen in any facet. You know, it can happen in romance, it can happen in family, it can happen in friendships. But um, for me, it didn't happen until very late in life and it happened... Um, like one incident after another, after another. And it had never happened before where somebody just kind of like cut you off. And so I had a very strong feeling of I have to, and I did two paintings about that topic. Mm. That's, that's really great. So just to kind of back on the, you know, we're still on the creative how I think we're into about two. You've ordered, gotten things in order, mm-hmm. sat down to paint, you've drawn <laughs> confidently onto, <laughs> right. uh, Onto the canvas, we've now moved. Uh, we may or may not be at the painting point. With we talked about, you know, acrylic. Uh, let's say, let's skip to. We have a pretty much a finished product. What happens next? Um, after it's finished, well, well, I, I guess how long does that take typically? I, it depends. You know, some being larger than others, some being just I'm focused on the people and not even the background. I don't even care about a background. Um, but when my mother and father were living, uh, to go back to what Jed was saying about the process of critiquing and showing people and all of that, I used to, anything I did creatively, I would run by them. And they were the only people. And because they were both so trained in looking at our artwork and they knew exactly what they were talking about, if something worked or not. And um, now I don't really have that person because everybody in my life, there's no artistic people actually, except for my brother, mm-hmm. who's not a visually artistic person, but I do go to him a lot now. And um, so I would say that's part of my process before I, it might be midway that I show it to him and um, and then I keep going. And then when I feel like something is done, I might just snap a photograph with my phone and then send it over to him, text it to him and say, what do you think about this? And get his feedback. And then I usually post things on social media before I do anything else with them because it's a way of just like, it's complete, it's out there and I can move on from wow, it. Wow, that's super brave. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. Do, what, what, do you read the comments? Um Yes, I do. And I ha- I have to say, I have, you know, there have been a few negative to- comments that I've gotten from people that I don't know. There's a lot of a-holes out there. Yeah, there are. There are. And, um, <laughs> you're, you're looking at two of them. Yeah. <laughs> 
Wait, no. <laughs> you didn't know that Jenny AA3 was really dead. dead. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think if, for anybody that's been through art school, I would say just as much a part of art school um, as painting is, critiquing is. And you would paint and have to put something up on the wall and then listen to everybody in a room um, tell you either how awful it is or what a genius you are or how boring it is. And so you do kind of get a thick skin early on because uh, you're just used to people telling you if they hate something. And, you know, one person can hate it, another person can love it. It really doesn't matter. So I feel like with social media, when people say negative things, I sometimes I'm a little bit excited about it because it means that they aren't just like snore and going past it. It actually grabbed them. So if somebody is feeling angry about something that you're doing and um, and they're so angry that they want to start typing on their keyboard or their phone, I feel like you grab them so you accomplish something. It's cool because you're 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 past the point of validation. Um, right. Are we ever? Well, I guess maybe let me rephrase. You're, you're past the point of um, reaffirming to yourself. I would think that you can do this for a living yeah. and sustain yourself. Mm-hmm. Like this, you've got a thing on your hands. You can, however hard you want to cultivate it, but it's a thing and it's mm-hmm. got a hook and it appeals to people so that you have an audience. Right. Right. So right. I think that's got to give you a little confidence to, to weather some of these subjective critiques, I would think. Yeah, it, it does. And I also know just from growing up in a, in a family of artists and always talking about artwork, I, I have a little story real quick of um, when I was in college, we went to um, a museum in New York and we were there and we went through the whole museum and it was so exciting to me. And then we went to the gift shop downstairs and um, um, I bought a Picasso print, you know, that was in the gift shop. And I loved Picasso and I still love Picasso, but I came home and I was at the bottom of the steps and I said to my mother, Hey mom, it was a gift for my mother. Do you like Picasso? And she was upstairs in her bedroom and she's like, no, I hate him. (laughs) And it made me realize that you can be super, super famous and sell your things for a super amount of money. And they're still haters. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, That's subjective. It's just art. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes art art, right? Did I you mean, tell your mom she was wrong? I was like, well, I have a gift for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, yeah, I mean, it was interesting because that was a great thing about, you know, my connection to my mom is that she had an opinion and it was a valid opinion and she actually had intelligent things to say about it. It wasn't just like, oh, right. anybody can draw that type of opinion. She had real thoughts on it. So it was like, you know, gave you something to really think about and- right. And that's, that's the difference. If it's constructive mm-hmm. and it's coming from a place of knowledge yeah. and obviously someone respected. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Jenny AAO3. AKA. Jenny, I have a comment. I have another comment. Actually, I have a question. So as part of your process, um, you know, where do you paint? And I'll, I'll relate this to when I talk to you, to talk to you about this. I was like, it'll be really easy because Juliet lives in Baltimore and mm-hmm. we live in Baltimore. And then you're like, I moved to Rehoboth Beach. <laughs> so that must have been partially due to where you want to be when you paint. 
Mm-hmm. Where, where do you like to be and why did you do that? Um, well, sometimes I paint in my bed. <laughs> sometimes I paint on the floor. I'm, I'm definitely not a person that paints at an easel. Um, I, I recently painted this surfboard where I painted it all outside. So it really just depends. You know, I... Um, I, but I don't have to be in a studio. It doesn't have to be between certain hours, you know, so the light is just so it's just, it can be anywhere. The TV can be on or off. The radio can be on or off. Um, the dog is walking over things. So it, I, you know, it's really the answer is anywhere. Is there music? Sometimes, sometimes not. It just depends. What's the go-to? Music wise, yeah, um, I actually embarrassed to say, but I love pop music, so the go to would be any pop music I really like. So, sorry, when we no. were talking about Super Bowl, I love halftime acts. Well, we were just talking about Super Bowl halftime acts, and when I said yeah. I didn't think Justin Timberlake did a great job last year, you were very offended. Yes, so I do I love that them. Understandable. Understandable. Who doesn't love Justin Timberlake? I know, he's quite I never, the I never said that. I just thought that Bruno Mars was better uh, the year I, before. Well, that's, that's Bruno it. Mars was phenomenal. Yeah. Beyonce also oh, very good. No brainer. <laughs> Man. You no know Adam Levine. Right. Uh, <laughs> coming up. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this one is uh, usually easy for artists to answer. What kinds of challenges and down times or bad times have you experienced and how do you get through those? It could be blocks, the time you have, being sad, being happy, whatever. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of things stop you from being um, as great as you want to be? Actually, I have found that when I'm sad, it's easier for me to be creative um, because it it is therapeutic and it's a way to work through things. It takes away a lot of anxiety or bad feelings. So um, having anything sad happen to me is great for weight loss and great for painting. Huh. So, yeah. <laughs> so that is, that's, that's good. creative how number th- part three. <laughs> Always be sad. Be sad. Right. Make yourself that's sad. A real good one. It's a good one. <laughs> Yeah. So, but I mean, I also paint when I'm happy. I, I would say any elated emotion is good. So if you're feeling really down for me, I want to get those feelings out. If I'm feeling really happy and really good about something, I want to express that also. Um, if certain things happened in my life that were really meaningful, sad or happy, um, then, and mostly my paintings are about obsessive thoughts, you know, so whatever is ruminating in your head and you can't get rid of it, the painting will help you get rid of it. Are you, are you setting yourself for like a, like, like a quota in, in terms of how much work you want to accomplish in like a month or a year, or is just kind of whatever it takes you? Yeah, I never thought about that really um, as a quota. I just feel like I just paint when I want to paint. and um, But I've never really thought about, you know, how many pieces or what. Um, that's interesting. Now I'm going to think about that <laughs> obsessively. <laughs> build the catalog. Right. <laughs> the... Um, the business things that you were talking about before, less the, you know, like clerical stuff that you have to do, but more, uh, you know, you were talking about painting on tote bags um, or printing on them and things like that. I, you know, I'll just be really specific. Having gone to Nordstrom occasionally and going to the handbag section, not for myself, um, occasionally for my wife or somebody else. <laughs> sure, sure. But there's a lot of amazing artwork, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
Is that something that you're actively thinking about or is it just, you know, a happy accident or, you know, how does that work? Well, actually, a couple of years ago, I was at Nordstrom's and um, the fashion editor of The Sun was there because there was a woman who was from Ellicott City and she became a handbag designer of bags that were affordable but look like designer high end bags. And, um, she was, she just got into Nordstrom's and she was having like a trunk show there. And that style editor came and I went because I was thinking exactly what you're saying. Like, why can't artwork be a part of this? Why can't it be on handbags? Why can't it be on shirts? Why can't it? So, and I had already started printing some of my images on shirts. Um, and I went and met her and it sort of forged a little bit of a relationship with him. And at the time it was before, um, painting on handbags had become such a big thing because I feel like that trend started a few years ago. And he said to me, if I were you, I would not do shirts and clothing. I would do handbags. It's going to become the next big thing. And, um, so I, I was always thinking about it. And then he kind of made me think about it more, but I think, um, again, going back to my parents coming from two entrepreneurs for parents and no, Knowing that you have to make money, they raise our whole family on it. And um, but also having this passion to paint and be creative, you have to figure out a way to marry them together, or you'll just be painting alone, likely, and nothing will happen. Like you right. have to just keep looking for all the avenues. Are, are the and, are the handbags? Uh, each one individually custom or are you painting on them? Um, or are so they there's screen one printed? over there that is a, um, a print of one okay, that nobody can see, but, um, <laughs> this is but a you, I can see it. I don't care about <laughs> everybody else. else. I think it looks rad. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but so that's a printed one, but I do sell, commissioned ones where yeah. I actually paint on the bag. That's great. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. And, um, since, you know, doing that surfboard design that I told you about, I got these pens. They're, they're called like Paca pens or something, mm -hmm. I think is the name. And they are actually paint pens for using on different surfaces. So you can use them on like fiberglass and things like wow. that. So I used only those pens on the board, but now that I have them, I sometimes use them for finishing touches on paintings and we'll use them on bags that are hand painted. Ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So they're very surfboard fun. thing. Is that a new uh, sort of exploration or medium or I guess? Uh, <laughs> well, it was, Quote -unquote Candace? Yeah, yeah, it was the first time that I did it and I actually did it for a charity, um, which is surfers healing. They, um, they work with kids that have autism and they go around to different beaches all over the country and they teach kids with autism to surf for, you know, allotted amount of time. And it just is therapeutic for the kids and for the families. Yeah. It's a great organization, but the, the man that started that organization found me on Instagram and then he asked if I would do a board for them. So I had never, so I started YouTubing <laughs> how to paint on a surfboard and, but he, somebody yeah. just made, somebody just made some money, some Google money Here on that course. Next idea. <laughs> Passive income. Shout out Pat Flynn. Yes. <laughs> but it, I, I don't know that I could ever do that and sell the boards myself because the boards are like 700 and up a board. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're super expensive. Yeah. So 
um, somebody donated the board and I painted on it, but you know, it was, I mean, it was very fun. Yeah. I see skateboards in your future. Yeah. Those are probably easier to (laughs) just like send them like, (laughs) and then they just laminate them on. And they're cheaper. Right. 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me just get the decks and, and and actually that's kind of cool. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here, but (laughs) like those plywood, I mean, people put, use them as art in their house. I've seen some very tastefully designed uh, interiors with skateboards. Yes. And I've painted guitars. So that's, oh wow. Yeah, Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Are those guitars that get played or they just kind of... Yeah, they can get played and and they can be displayed. Displayed. (laughs) That's amazing. What do you feel has been... Because there's such a diverse set of things you've done Mm -hmm. as a painter. And what's been your most fulfilling thing or maybe even your proudest moment, something like that? Um, Well, I mean, I definitely like painting probably alone is most fulfilling and for myself, but if it speaks to people and multiple people and they, you know, whatever I'm feeling can be, can somehow be communicated through a painting, that is super exciting to me because it's, it is a form of communication. And if you're able to communicate with somebody and make them feel like, yeah, I have felt that I, I feel this exactly. It makes sense to me. It's soothing to me or whatever that whenever somebody, you know, says that to me, that's always a great moment for me. Right. Is there any, um, want to try other mediums? Do you, do you, Hmm. you know, are you curious about any of them? I mean, take an iPad pro, for example, Mm -hmm. like the the advances in pens and like digital painting or any of that. Are you dabbling in any of that at all? I'm not such a computer person. I'm not great with them. And I, um, um, I would probably have to have someone at my side that I just, am like, come here and like fixing everything for me. And then I go back to the drawing. So I could, I am a person that can get frustrated with technology. And if it kind of seeps into what you're doing and you can't do what you're doing, I could see that being bothersome to me. But as far as mediums that are not on the computer, I feel like I have tried so many of them um, because you just do in your life as you're kind of getting right. to the the one that makes right. the most sense to you. But I do always love to bring in things like like the markers or like thin black lines with a marker or even sometimes little jewels that I'll throw into what I'm doing and like different layers of texture, things like that. Oh, so like applique kind of? So, well, sometimes like I might even, I've even been known to throw some glitter glue into something that I'm doing because it, it just. Who among us? Right. Well, <laughs> Justin goes, Timberlake right. and glitter glue. Right, sure. <laughs> that was my nickname in college. <laughs> wow. Glitter glue? Good stuff, Joan. Good stuff. No, I, but I think that's what it makes it like that, that youthful, I go back to that youthful aspect, like, yeah. like that. You're not afraid to do that. And that that's just like kind of throwing it to the wind. And if it yeah. works out, like, well, then you're brilliant, right? Right. Like you shouldn't feel that anything is too, you know, not serious enough or, right. you know, be um, inhibited by it for whatever reason. So Juliet, I think you've um, clearly got a lot of confidence in your skills, like Sean mentioned before, and you've sort of proven that you can do what you do for people who are newer painters or people who have never even painted before. How do you, how do you gain that confidence um, with something that's sort of bearing your, your own ideas so clearly? Well, I think 
for me, going back to my parents, I'm lucky because I did have two parents that were, um, you know, they were champions of the arts and um, creativity and they felt like it was an important thing in life and um, something that had to be a part of life. So that to me was the first ounce of confidence for me. And and then I also think... um, you know, my parents were always telling me that you you have this unique style. And so they gave me the confidence to feel like the style was worthwhile and to keep going with it and that it's unique and all of that. Um, but as an adult, I feel like it is still scary. I mean, I still have those scary feelings of putting something out there and people hating it or meeting somebody in real life and, and showing my artwork, you know, that somebody will hate it or challenge it or whatever. And I think probably with anybody in life, no matter what your profession and how seasoned you are at that profession, you still have that little kid inside of you that is afraid and nervous and feels like a fraud and all of that. And I just think that's human. Um, so you kind of just have to talk to yourself and, and remind yourself that you are just human and it's probably going to go okay. And even if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world and you're not going to die, you know, before you walk out of the room or if somebody says something mean on social media. Um, and you just have to, well, for me, I, I do a lot of self-coaching, talking to myself and just talking myself off the ledge. Of the bridge that I'm about to jump off. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that's 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 human. I think we we've talked a little bit between ourselves about uh, imposter syndrome, and I think what what we've determined that and what we've heard is that that that's what keeps our edge. Yeah. You know, that's what keeps your 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 creativity going and keeping you to keep constantly keep improving. If you didn't have that, I think that's when you have something wrong. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Like, I belong here. Right, I'm, I'm the, the greatest. Yeah. I'm blissfully unaware of how maybe I'm not that good. I don't know. <laughs> right. I agree. Well, that's great. Um, and, and just so many really great insights from this and, and we could go for a long, long time, but I think bringing it back to our audience, um, and how they use this again, this podcast as a tool, rapid fire or close to it, just, just off the cuff, really, um, what are maybe three or four just quick pieces of advice as a beginning artist, you know, somebody who is maybe just starting to dip that toe into, into this world, um, but maybe doesn't have that confidence yet for sure. But, but what would you say to that person? Well, I would, for one, say always be true to yourself. Don't, you know, try to be or do something that you don't really feel. Because I think um, people without even realizing it can tell when something's not genuine. And you, so you may as well, if you're going to create, you may as well create genuinely. Sniff from, it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be one thing. Another thing would be to get over your insecurities and fears or just be one with them and um, and just realize that if you really want to do this, you're just going to have to get over yourself in that department because you're always going to be afraid. So that would be another um, 
I think another would be um, not to be afraid to look at every avenue for getting your artwork out because we live in such a different time today than even 10 years ago. Um, you know, there is all the social media art galleries aren't the same as what they were before where you're an artist and you just go into an art gallery and that's your career. It's not like that anymore. So you have to really think outside the box. You have to think creatively in business, just like you're thinking in your own artwork. And, um, I think that's, you know, one of the most important pieces of advice for any artist starting out. Do you, do you, how do you, what sort of value do you place on like a formal art education in terms of, uh, uh, access to this as a career? Um, well, I mean, I, as far art school is super expensive <laughs> and especially the art school that I went to is expensive and supplies are expensive, but, I feel like it was invaluable to me, not so much in the sense of, you know, making money because it wasn't for that. You really don't get a lot of um, practical business advice in art school. It might be different now, but I know when I was there, I didn't. But what it did do for me is it gave me the freedom of all that time to just paint and be, you know, okay with it and have, have all all these people, my peers and professors, um, take it seriously and just be focused on me and what I'm doing and giving me feedback and giving me instruction and giving me advice and ideas. And, um, you know, what, what other time in life are you really going to get that? I'm, mm-hmm. I've still yet to get that again in life. You know, you're yeah. not surrounded mm-hmm. by creative people every day. And kind of Instagram has taken the place of that because in, I know, well, only because um, I'm on Instagram only to show my artwork. It's not personal for me at all. Hmm. And most of the people that I, you know, follow are other artists. Okay. And um, so I'm getting to see almost like I'm in the room with them and I'm seeing what they're doing and you can have private conversations with them and talk about ideas and they're you know, they're giving you feedback and all of that. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's not the same, but it is the closest thing to it that I have probably. That's great. That, that, that I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is great in the process. Ultimately we need, we want people to see your artwork. We're, we're really proud to have you on this show and we, we love your work. So can you tell us, you know, where people can find you on, on the social channels, um, your website, and I don't know if you have, do you have a bricks and mortar shop or I don't, but, okay. um, but Let's do it digitally. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, the website is juliettspaintings.com and Juliet is spelled like Romeo and Juliet. So it's J U L I E T with an S on the end. So juliettspaintings.com. The Instagram is Juliet's underscore paintings and the Facebook page is Juliet's paintings. That's great. Awesome. Everybody, please get out there and look at this amazing work and be inspired and listen to this podcast and do what Juliet says. <laughs> hey, really, th- thanks for thanks for coming on. This was amazing. You were, you were great. Thanks. Um, lots of insightful stuff. I think um, energy in terms of wanting to go create artwork now, um, or at least just go to work tomorrow. Right. right. Yeah. I'd rather not, but I do feel pretty inspired. Oh, I'm feeling inspired. Yeah. We're going to do it. All right. Well, good luck with everything. And and I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right. Julia Gilden, another solid creative how, Jed. 
Yeah, I learned a lot and um, really a lot of unexpected but tangible things. I expected to hear things about how um, which materials the artist might use and things like that. But the part about time management I thought was really interesting. Well, don't forget about the bit about how you and I are fine artists, my friend. I've always thought that, Sean. All right. Well, hopefully you're feeling inspired and you're ready to be on the road to becoming a painter uh, with this edition um, of Creative How. Don't forget to check out the show notes at creativehowpodcast.com. And please check us out. Follow us. Twitter, Instagram, creativehowpod. Hey, Jed. Did you hear our kick-ass intro music? Shockingly, that's out of our technical wheelhouse here at Creative How. That type of sick sound design is a White Noise Lab original. White Noise Lab is a music composition and sound design studio that works with agencies, production companies, and brands on projects for film, broadcasts, interactive websites, corporate videos, video games, and experimental projects. The chances that that movie trailer you just saw on you know, YouTube, that's probably a White Noise Lab original more often than not. So whether you're looking to fulfill your sound design needs or simply need someone to collaborate with on an experimental project or maybe an experimental podcast, Check out whitenoiselab.com. That's whitenoiselab.com.